during week 192 of Brad's Branded Thoughts, a wrap on Iowa basketball, both the men and the women, disappointing finishes in the big dance. How should you feel specifically about the men and Fran McCaffrey's performances in March? Well, that's up to you, but I'm going to give you my take on the state of the program. Plus, an exclusive sit-down with Iowa football 2022 signee and offensive tackle, Kale Crow from Huxley, Iowa. All that and more during week 192 of Brada's Branded Thoughts. This is from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Are you a Hawkeye fan living in Story County? Well, if you are, great. If not, we've still got you covered. Introducing from the Hawkeye of the Storm, your source for original Iowa content from the Eye of the Storm, the Hawkeye of the Storm, Ames, Iowa. That's right. Our Hawkeye platform, hosted by StoryCounty.News, strives to offer a unique perspective that you won't find anywhere else. Despite living amid the sea of red that is Cyclone Country, we make it our aim to entertain and inform Hawkeye fans everywhere. From live programming following an Iowa athletic event to our on-demand podcast, Brada's Branded Thoughts, which you can access through YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Anchor, Amazon, and more, our goal is to always offer cutting-edge, black and gold content in addition catch our weekly college football picks throughout the season as you get prepped for the weekend ahead and the great thing about all of our content is it's all free join us regularly here at from the hawkeye of the storm and be sure to subscribe to our sister channel iowa football at the voice of college football that's iowa football at the voice of college football on youtube as we have teamed up with mark rogers and former Iowa football assistant coach Don Patterson to bring you live post-game shows after every Iowa football game. Watch, chat, and even call in to let your voice be heard each and every weekend this fall. Want to learn how you can further support us? Visit our video description on each and every YouTube video we publish, and then, of course, enjoy the content. It's From the Hawkeye of the Storm, hosted by StoryCounty.News, for the best Hawkeye content in the area. Week 192 of Brada's Branded Thoughts, and I'm just going to say this flat out. Um, this is going to be a different type of show, uh, not really formatted any differently, but as you can see, um, I uh, am not full strength. I had a shoulder procedure done, shoulder surgery done on Wednesday, and so as a result, uh, you have not seen me active via the YouTube channel or uh, podcast platforms um, for, what, four or five days since the Iowa uh, Creighton game on Sunday. So I apologize for the delay. Um, I am going to do my best to get some content out to you as I continue to recover from that surgery. But this podcast is largely going to be, first of all, we're, we are going to talk to Kale Crow here in a little bit. Well, uh, that was a previously recorded interview that uh, wanted to get you guys. But I do want to give my take on the state of the Iowa men's basketball program. And because I'm not really able to use my dominant hand to be able to to uh, pull up stats or pull up notes. I'm just going to speak from the heart, speak my mind, and uh, you're going to get this all organically. So, of course, we know how the Iowa men's basketball season finished up. This podcast uh, has not uh, gone live since the end of the season. Um, We, of course, our our last episode of Brad's Branded Thoughts was a sit-down with Tony Perkins' uncle, Frank Henderson, um, prior to the Richmond game. And if you follow this channel, you've probably listened to my post-game show with Coach Gary Close and Matt Gatons following that game. You probably heard my post-game show uh, after the Iowa women's basketball loss against Creighton, who, by the way, defeated Iowa State last night. They're moving on to the Elite Eight. But I want to talk, first of all, about the men. 
because I've got a lot of mixed response, a very much of a mixed bag as it relates to just kind of reacting to the march that was. And I have to be honest, I'm surprised with some fans that have been overly critical of of, of Fran McCaffrey. I understand it. And I, I don't want to just, I'm not going to sit here and rip fans that feel a certain way. That's not my right. I have no right to tell you how you should feel about Iowa basketball or about any of the coaches or performances. Um, certainly coaches, as I say all the time, coaches, um, they can take criticism. They're making, specifically, Fran McCaffrey, Kirk Ferentz, they're making millions of dollars. They can deal with some criticism. I think I think we as human beings have an obligation to be respectful and courteous as we as we criticize, but I think that it's fair. Um, I'll just come out. I, I, if you haven't heard my take on this, I'm just going to come out and say it. I, I am in full support of Fran McCaffrey as a fan at this point. Um, and I, I try to stay balanced. I try to stay analytical. I think Fran McCaffrey has done a tremendous job here over the past couple of seasons. I understand that there have been two very disappointing losses, one coming against Oregon last year, an Oregon team that just routed Iowa, frankly, um, in that second round contest. And then this year, a disappointing loss to Richmond. I do think there is an, an overemphasis on the NCAA tournament. And I, I know fans don't want to hear that because you love the big dance. You know, I'm sitting there watching the Sweet 16, going to be watching the Elite Eight tonight. And it is, it's hard to watch because you're watching these teams. I was watching Iowa State and Miami last night. And my thinking on it is I was much better than either one of these teams. Now, Iowa State fans would certainly argue that because they put a beat down on Iowa back in December. But that's certainly uh, the key. That was back in December. Um, Iowa could have made a run to the Elite Eight. And for anybody who says that's crazy or that's outlandish or that's just me being a homer, just be logical. I mean, let, let's remember it's one game. That's why I think we put way too much emphasis as it relates to evaluating coaches, not just at Iowa, but anywhere, we put way too much emphasis on the NCAA tournament. I get it's what a lot of people care about. It's it's really the only thing that some people care about. Now, I value the big dance. I'm not going to downplay that. But I, as you know, also value, highly value the Big Ten tournament. I think winning a Big Ten championship in the regular season is something very important. Kudos to Wisconsin and Illinois doing that in the Big Ten this year. But Iowa won, what, 12 of their last 14 games, won four straight in the Big Ten tournament. And that does give me reason for optimism moving forward, specifically for March. I get it. Fran McCaffrey is dealing with some problems once they have gotten to the big dance. And some people have really thrown that to the forefront prior to this year. But honestly, it wasn't until after this Richmond loss that I really looked at things and said, yeah, he's starting to have a problem, or it looks like he's got a problem winning in the NCAA tournament. Now, if you look at his track record, you could say I'm crazy for not acknowledging that sooner. He's been here 12 years, had a first round, or first four loss to Tennessee one year. Um, he did beat Davidson in the first round of a, of a tournament, beat Temple in the first round of a tournament, beat Cincinnati in the first round of a tournament. But he's never gotten past the second round. Now, granted, we have to remember several of those second-round games uh, all but one of them were against teams that were much higher in seeding than Iowa was. Iowa, unfortunately, f fell between the 7 to 10 range almost every year in there, including the loss to Tennessee where they forced overtime and a huge comeback a couple of years back. They also lost to Villanova, um, who I believe ended up being the eventual champion. They lost to Gonzaga one year. 
after winning a first round game. And I think that's why I've been easier on Fran McCaffrey. And yes, you could say, well, he needs to get a better seed. He needs to get a better seed than, than seven, eight, nine, and 10. And he's done that these last two years. So this is now that we've seen Iowa achieve a better seed these last two years and still fail to make the second weekend. I, I understand the criticism. I get it. But I do think we need to stay balanced with it because the Big Ten tournament's important. I, I really value the Big Ten tournament. And we have to remember that up until this year, Fran McCaffrey and his Iowa teams had never won more than one game in the Big Ten tournament. I mean, think about that. that that's insane. Um, and he won four straight. And, and they earned those four straight. I think the game against Purdue, I think Iowa played its best game of the season against the Boilermakers. So it is, it's confounding to follow it up with a flat, almost energyless loss to the Richmond Spiders, who then went on to get beat by Providence by like 25 uh, two days later. It's odd. I can't explain it. Did they overlook Richmond? I, I would have to think that that's not the case, given the experience of, of guys like Jordan Bohannon and, and Connor McCaffrey. Um, but you also have to look at it and say, you know, I, I don't I, I just don't know how it happened. Um, now, I know people have trashed Richmond. Richmond is a respectable program. Granted, they weren't great throughout the year in the A-10. Matt Gatons talked on our postgame show after the game about how that is a competitive team, and he feels like they sort of underachieved during the regular season. But they won four games in four days, beat the top three teams in the A-10 to win the championship. So they earned their way there. I don't think fatigue, I don't think you can blame fatigue for Iowa's performance because Richmond also played four games in four days. I heard people talking about the basketball. It's a Wilson ball. Those are things I'm just, I, I'm not interested in talking about. If, if the basket, and I've noticed it's been a Wilson ball, I believe in every game in the NCAA tournament. So if you know that going in, that it's going to be a Wilson ball, wouldn't you think you'd probably practice with that ball? So I'm not going to sit here and point fingers, play the blame game. I'm not going to blame the basketball. I'm not going to blame the schedule. Um, what I will say is it's one game. And yes, you can say it's the most important game, but it is just one game. One off performance and you're done. We saw it from Iowa. We saw it from Kentucky. We saw it from, you know, Gonzaga's done. They didn't even make the Elite Eight. Um, you know, there's no, there, there's one, one seed left in this tournament as we record this show uh, here on March 26th. One, one seed left. Only one, one seed in the Elite Eight. Zero Big Ten teams. And that's a podcast we can... Um, do another day, uh, the, the struggles of the Big Ten and the Big Dance. No Big Ten teams in the late eight. That's a problem. And I again, this is coming from someone who acknowledges that we put way too much emphasis on the NCAA tournament, but there's no question right now, this is the second straight year the Big Ten has really underperformed in this tournament. And keep in mind, we're going on, what, a couple decades where, you know, since Iowa, or since the Big Ten, rather, has won a national championship. So that is a problem. But to sum all this up, Fran McCaffrey did a heck of a job with a team that wasn't even expected to make the big dance this year. I believe they were picked to finish ninth in the conference. He wins the Big Ten tournament, gets them to a five-seed status. The expectations changed at that point, folks. But if you had looked at this team back in November, back in December, and you were told they'd be a five-seed in the tournament, you would have taken that regardless of result. Because, again, many people did not even expect Iowa to make the big dance. Fran McCaffrey very easily could have been coach of the year. Had Greg Gard not had the year he had, Fran McCaffrey would have been the Big Ten coach of the year. They got a Big Ten championship for the first time since 2006. That gives me reason to think that he can overcome his NCAA tournament demons. I'm encouraged. I believe you should be encouraged. I'm not telling you how to feel. 
you have every right to have the frustrations. I understand a coach being here 12 years and not making a single Sweet 16 is frustrating. I'm giving Fran more time. That's just me. You obviously have a right to your own opinion, but I I have high hopes for next season and beyond. I think he's done well on the recruiting trail, very well on the recruiting trail. Um, and boy, that class with Perkins and the Murray twins and Euless looking better and better uh, as time continues to fly by. I know there's rumors that Josh Agundale is transferring. There have been rumors about other guys potentially leaving. I can't substantiate any of that. I don't have any inside information on if Josh Agundale is going to enter the portal. I'm just bringing it up because it is out there on social media. We'll see. I know Fran spoke with Rick Brown uh, of Sports Illustrated the other day, and and I believe what Hawkeye Nation, and uh, did say that they're interested in going after a big man in the portal. Um, Is it Fardaz uh, Amac, I believe, is the kid from Utah Valley, considered the top transfer in the portal right now, named Iowa in his top 26, which is ridiculous. But then I saw a tweet today from a, a college basketball reporter that named Iowa maybe in the top seven, didn't really use the terminology top seven, but named Iowa in some of his top options, teams that were recruiting him the hardest. So that's interesting. He's 6'11", can shoot the three, can bang down low. He's also a potential NBA guy. So uh, regardless of what happens with Keegan, and for the record, I think Keegan's gone. We heard Fran say that this week, that he should leave. I think Keegan's gone. I stand by that. I'm not going to rule anything out until I hear it officially out of his mouth. Um, but I'm encouraged moving forward. I think next year you go get a big man in the portal. I think maybe you go get a three-point shooter as well. We'll see how Sanford and Chris Murray, you know, those guys can develop the three-point shot. Will Josh Dix play uh, early? That's a question mark. I think they're a three-point shooter and a big man away from being a, a Sweet 16 Elite Eight contender again next year because I think Chris Murray is going to take a jump. I think you're going to see a jump from Patrick McCaffrey. I'm encouraged, folks. It's disappointing. I'm I'm as disappointed as all y'all are on you know this listening to the show. I'm disappointed, but uh, I think there is reason, significant reason for optimism with Iowa basketball, Iowa women's hoops. Um, I think there's a lot of optimism there as well, and a disappointing loss at home to finish the season at home against Creighton. You probably heard my post game. Uh, disappointed in uh, the effort defensively at times, but I give Creighton a lot of credit. They came back, beat Iowa State. Um, in the Sweet 16, they go on to the Elite Eight. And I, I mean, listen, Iowa and Iowa State will probably both be top 15 selections next year. Um, I don't think Ashley Jones is returning. I think Iowa probably will be a, a top 10 preseason pick. So reason for optimism, disappointed there as well. Just a tough week to be a Hawkeye that first week of March Madness. Didn't expect a loss uh, for either team during the first weekend. And that's how crazy March is. But a lot of teams have lost. That's just the nature of the game. It's crazy. Got to overcome it. It's a one and done format. So, um, but reason for optimism for both Lisa Bluter's squad and Fran McCaffrey's team. Iowa football spring practice is underway. Got a lot of content to get to in the coming days and weeks. So stay tuned. Again, uh, I am laid up right now, but I'm going to continue to try to get as much content um, as I can. I can't promise anything right now, but. Uh, as I recover, I'm going to get as much content as possible. Lots of news items still to cover that we'll get to. But I want to take the next segment of this show to sit down with Iowa 2022 signee and future offensive tackle, Kale Crow. Spoke with Kale recently uh, discussing his decision to come to Iowa and what he brings to the Iowa football program. So without further ado, let's give our attention to Iowa Hawkeye, Kale Crow. 
Kale, it is a pleasure to see you today. Uh, of course, I'm intrigued by your commitment because you are a local kid here in Story County, specifically Huxley. Just talk about the journey and, and the fact that you're now Hawkeye. Well, it feels really good to finally be a Hawkeye and make it official and sign it down on paper. But my journey, I uh, would have started my freshman year. Coach Neiman came in. He was just uh, arousing the area, just seeing who's around, asking coaches if they had anybody who they thought had potential. And so that's when my first connection with Iowa started. And it'd be like weekly phone calls, text messages. And then it progressed into getting a visit my sophomore year. And then with COVID, I was never able to get out there because they had visits and stuff shut down. So it was always through the phone. And then I got my camp over the summer. I got the offer and then committed like two, three days later. And I just knew it was the place for me. Talk about what the, the Ballard community has meant to you. I know a lot of our listeners on here are Hawkeye fans. We've got Hawkeye fans from all over listening. But talk about the Ballard community because I'm, of course, familiar with 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 Ballard. And, and it's a very tight-knit group, whether you're talking Huxley and Slater and Sheldon all the way across the, uh, the highway there. But just talk about what the community has done for you and what it means to you. Yeah, as you said, it's a very tight-knit community. And there was an event called Derecho last year, which was actually – it was a very bad thing that happened, but it was pretty cool. We as a community really united together, and that's the tightest I've ever seen us. As a football team, we even skipped practice for three days just to go out in the community, clean up trees, and we would be working with locals and just people from Slater, Huxley, Cambridge, all over. And it's like we are a really tight-knit group of people. We care about each other. We're going to do everything to help. And then after Derecho, it really showed because – we would see everybody that we were helping in the stands on Friday nights, whether it be for basketball, football. It was just really cool. And I don't want to bring this up again. I know we're talking about football, but another tragedy that occurred was the the Slater parade accident um, mm-hmm. this past summer. And I, I personally, you know, I got friends in, in Slater and saw that community really come together. Um, and again, I've just always been impressed with, with the Ballard community. So let's talk a little bit about football here because of course uh you're you're focused now on your career moving forward of course you got you know you got some school to to finish out there uh at ballard but um what appealed to you about iowa of course the 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 roots at offensive tackle but what appealed to you specifically uh besides the roots and the success they've had on the o-line was the people the people really stood out to me they were real they told me exactly what i needed to hear not things that recruits might want to hear they weren't like putting fluffy talk into it as me and the O-line coach would sometimes call it. And you can see um, with how long they're the longevity of the people there, that's not going to change. And that's exactly what I'm going to get when I get there. George Barnett, talk about your relationship with him because a lot of people don't really know George yet. Um, You know, he's, I'm sure he, he was added during your recruitment process. So did that change your mindset at all? Or, I mean, I know Iowa state was also in the running for your services, but what was how has that evolved your relationship with Coach Barnett? Well, my relationship with Coach Barnett actually started when he was at Tulane. And so I had an offer from him early. Right. And so when he got to Iowa, I'm like, this is a good shot for me because I already know this coach. We have a good relationship. And he told me, uh, would have been like first two weeks of him being there, that he wanted to offer me right away, just the way Iowa does things. They want to see me at camp and make sure I check off these boxes on their list. But Coach Barnett He's a straightforward guy. He's going to tell you how it is, and he's going to tell you if he likes it or he doesn't like it. So he's super straightforward, and he's going to get to the point. Okay, so I'll just I'll, I'll speak for some of the Iowa fans who have called in this afternoon, and and most have been very positive. This this class has, I'm sure you'd agree, this class has really uh, elevated itself, and I Absolutely. think a lot of Iowa fans were concerned 
you probably heard some of that. They were concerned this past summer that it wasn't, you know, we don't have enough recruits and it's not high enough ranked and all that garbly goop. But the recruiting class has really evolved and certainly Xavier Wampa helped that. I think no question about it. But talk about what you've seen from Iowa on the recruiting trail. How are they getting it done now more than ever? Because they did it again in 21 as well. It seems like maybe a, a corner has been turned in recruiting. For them right now, I think the big thing is uh, they've always told kids exactly what they need to hear and what Iowa football is. They're not putting fancy stuff on it. They're not selling them something that they don't have. And so kids are starting to realize that, okay, if I go to Iowa, I know exactly what I'm getting into where there could be blank spots in other schools. And that's why it's picking up really quickly right now, picking up more people. Absolutely. Um, I also speak for the Iowa fan base in saying there have been some frustrations with pass rush or excuse me, pass protection. And you, I think, I mean, I, I look at your tape and I'm, I'm no, by no means an expert uh, on the offensive line. Um, I would probably consider George Barnett and Kirk Ferentz to be experts. Yeah. Uh, but you, I would have to think you're, you're a natural tackle. I mean, is that safe to say that you're, you're not moving from tackle once you get to Iowa? Yeah, no, tackle is my most likely projected spot. Coach Barnett said in times of need, if they need to move me down to guard because of my aggression, if he could see me there during like a important run block or something and such, but mostly going to be a tackle. And so your size, I mean, I look at you 6'6". I mean, I'm assuming these numbers are correct. You're 6'6", six, six, what, 265? Am I getting that correct? Yeah, I weighed in about 275 today. So it's just up from last time I weighed in at Iowa, but yeah. Okay, so... um. As far as playing time, you know, I, I always hear, talk to recruits, I always hear whatever is going to get me on the field um, and however I can help my team, whether it even be on the scout team, whatever it may be. So what is your your plans moving forward? So as soon as I get there, I'm ready to get to work and do whatever is necessary. And I just want to start with doing whatever I can do to help the team, whether it be being a practice guy, whether it be working in a way into a three, a two, possibly a one, if I could, like a Connor Colby has done this year, which is just awesome. Yeah. It's just going to be kind of that O-line mindset of being able to help however you can. And that's what I'm going to be going into trying to do. Um, okay. This is, this is an important question because there is more to life than football. What, uh, tell us about your hobbies. What do you like to do when you're off the field? I like to work out, um, especially with my friends, lift weights, play basketball. I've started wrestling this year for the first time. I love that. And then I love to hunt and fish when I have free weekends to get out and do stuff like that. I apologize. I had uh, baseball up there. And, of course, you're a wrestler, so let's change that. Um, what, what have you learned from Tyler Linderbaum watching him on tape? I know he plays a different position on the field, but you have to have learned just from his motor and his dominance what he's done these last two years. Well, exactly. You just said the two big ones right there. His motor and his dominance are huge. He does not give up on plays. And, like, there's big examples of it in the Nebraska game. He was taking guys. The whistle might be blown, and he's still going for another two seconds because he's going to play the game, and you are going to play to his pace. He's not playing to yours. And so, like, I'd like to be like that play as dominant as he does. One thing that I will say, Kale, and this is what I've observed. I've observed it on defense. I've observed it certainly. Um, on the offensive side of the ball as well. seems like Iowa's staff, what they pride themselves on, and I've seen it even more in recent years, is motor. Kids got to have a good motor, and certainly Linderbaum as a center is probably the best motor that I've seen. I, I don't remember a guy at Iowa finishing plays the way he does. So, And I see the same from you on tape. Um, what would you, and we can talk about your strengths, but what would you say you need to work on as far as weaknesses? If, if we want to, you know, you're on paper now, so you're, you're all in. So what do you need to work on heading into uh, this coming year? 
Uh, biggest thing I think I need to work on is just getting out of my stance faster and delivering that initial pop quicker. Because sometimes, especially when we're moving up into higher levels, you're going to get guys who are really well at getting off the ball. And so it's going to be a big advantage if I can get to them before they can get to me. Absolutely. Goals. Um, again, we can talk football, but this could be anything. Goals for your community, goals for your family, short-term, long-term. What are your focuses right now, now that you've made it official? Uh, on football-related, for basketball right now, we've been to state championship three years in a row. So that's every year I've been in high school. And I hope to do that for a fourth because I have never finished a high school basketball season before March. And so that's a big goal in the community as well as in just Ballard and as the team. And long-term goals, I just want to get to Iowa and then be able to get to work, work with the guys, and then earn my way into a spot. Is there a guy on this roster right now that you're, you've already developed a, a relationship with or somebody you're friends with? On the Iowa roster? Yeah. Is there anybody on there that you've gotten to? Uh, I am fairly tight with Mason Richmond. He is uh, was my player host on the OV, so I talk to him a good bit when I get the chance. And then I'm tight with the commits as well, especially Aaron Graves and Jack Dotsler. Yeah, we interviewed Aaron here a couple of weeks ago, and I remember him bringing up the fact that you guys – I mean, you're what? See, Huxley's temp- – because, of course, we're in Ames. So you're, you're eight, nine miles south of us here in Ames. Yep. Gowrie's – hour 15 so you yeah. got about an hour and a half drive um how how has your relationship with aaron been able to grow since the since your commitment oh as soon as after i committed we started texting a lot and every saturday over the summer we were getting in at the ames field and getting in workouts and so we developed not only just like a friend relationship we developed like that workout relationship and like pushing each other and working out together i will ask you this as far as moving forward um and and thinking about what Iowa needs, their, their needs really um, heading into this recruiting cycle. I think they recruited very well in 21 on the offensive line. And you got some young talent. You mentioned Connor Colby, Jennings Dunkers, another guy, yeah. Miles, Michael Mislinski. You can go down the yeah. list. But one other kid stands out in this class as being very similar as far as stature to you. And that is Jack Dotzler. Yep. You have a, a relationship with Jack and, and how do you, have you been able to look at you your tape together and how do you compare to Jack? Um, so me and Jack we're fairly tight. We text a good bit on Snapchat. We've seen each other on the visits. Um, stature wise, we do uh, line up pretty close. We are a lot alike, and I think we're going to be very similar players and pretty much all around. It's going to come down to just us battling out every day in practices and workouts. Well, Kale, it's been a pleasure getting to know you here for a few minutes, and I can speak on behalf of uh, Story County, storycounty.news, and here from the Hawkeye the Storm and all of Hawkeye Nation, congratulations, and again, best of wishes, and we look forward to seeing you in a Hawkeye uniform soon. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Couldn't be happier for a Story County kid, Kale Crow, to be able to continue his career here, and just another piece to build the personnel on the offensive line Cody Ince announced this week, or I guess was announced through the university, that he will not be continuing his career at Iowa. That is a blow. And so guys like Cale Crow, that's one less guy. I know Cody Ince was primarily playing on the inside, but one less guy um, as far as experience to battle in camp. So well, who never, you never know. I mean, I, I, I think they're pretty solid personnel-wise for Cale's freshman year. He's going to have time to develop. He won't be here this spring. He's not there this spring. But you give him some time, and I think, you know, Kirk Ferentz, I think he's proven 
he has shown he is willing to um, play young guys on that offensive line. We saw it with James Daniels. We saw it with Tristan Wirfs and Alaric Jackson. I know those guys were were different types of athletes. I get that. But uh, Kale Crow will have an opportunity to come in and play early. Mason Richmond, another guy who played early. So uh, best wishes to Kale Crow and couldn't be happier to see him in the black and gold this fall and even this summer for uh, strength and conditioning. So appreciate you joining me for week 192 of Brad is Branded Thoughts. I made it through, so I appreciate everybody being patient with me. I will be back ASAP right here on YouTube. If you're listening through Spotify, Google, Amazon, Anchor, wherever you listen to podcasts, appreciate the listen. You can donate to this channel, to this podcast. If you're interested, going to the YouTube channel in the description of this video, there's a link to donate. Appreciate all the the friendly donations and the generous donations to help support what I do here at From the Hawkeye of the Storm. Appreciate everybody listening again. I'll talk to you soon. I'm Corey Bratta from the Hawkeye of the Storm.